Welcome to Any Gamers Podcast number 45, recorded on January 20th, 2014. I'm your host, Evan Minto, also known as Vampfo. I'm the editor-in-chief of AnyGamers.com, and who's with me today? Uh, today you have at sign QX20XX from, uh, yeah, from AnyGamers.com as well. Are you going by your real name, or are you just going to use your pseudonym? Oh, my real name's David Estrella. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's just us today. Just, you know, back with me and David. Uh, Ink couldn't come along for today's episode. And miss be- you, Ink. And because it's just me and David, and because apparently we're not watching any of the same things except for Kill la Kill, uh, or playing any of the same things. And the other good show. What's the other good show? Are you going to talk? You're talking about what we're going to talk about? It's not uh, a gonna good show. We're going to talk about Supersonico. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so David roped me into this because it's the only thing <laughs> that we actually are both watching. Or watched some of, I should be clear. I'm not actually continuing to watch Supersonico. David, uh, you actually like it, so what's I'm, what's this show about? Well, Tell well, me, because I couldn't even figure it out. Liking, liking might be... I, I, I'm not even going to say pushing, but it's definitely... <laughs> You're sympathizing with it. Uh, I am definitely a sympathizer, yes. I, I make... I'm a, I'm a Sonico apologist. But, um, yeah, the show is about a, uh, a hardworking college student trying to balance her uh, her personal life and her professional life as a uh, as a model. Let's be clear, is she is she like an actual college student cuz I I didn't watch enough yet so I don't know or is she like a is she like an anime 18 disclaimer college student? No, she's an actual college student. She's an actual college student. Wait, so so it's, it's not like she's attending a preparatory two-year college or whatever at the beginning of the anime team videos? No, no, no. no. She, they're all, all of the characters are above 19 years old, <laughs> I think. I actually don't know. All characters I, I pictured not... wearing school, high school school uniforms are above the age of 19. Well, here's how, this is how you know that they're in college. They don't wear school uniforms. Right, exactly. Yeah, so true enough. It, uh, yeah. That they get total pass. But Although then where's, not, the, not a, where's the fetish appeal if they're not wearing school uniforms? That, that's that's the thing, though. There's like, because, you know, coming into Supersonico, you gear yourself up to, you know, you you know about this character probably from, actually, I don't really I do wonder. Evan, do you know? I, you don't I think know. I've seen okay. the picture yeah, of her somewhere before, but I don't really know Super, who she is. Supersonico is, uh, uh, like the mascot character for Nitro Plus, who are uh, a company that do mostly visual novels. Uh, you know the uh, the erotic kind, I guess. Most <laughs> Wh- of the time. Which ones have they done though? Uh, they're probably most known for Steins Gate, although that one has not erotic, erotic, right? Yeah, non erotic. Yeah. But uh, and then they have stuff like um, Cyanota, which is also, I guess one of the few titles that they have actually released in America. Uh, and yeah, that one's totally, yeah. Totally is is erotic? Yeah, totally. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but... Oh, that's uh, that, like, green hair girl thing. I've seen that yeah, before. Yeah, it's the, it's the green hair girl thing. Yeah, but, um, I don't know, because I, I never... I guess I never really follow mascot characters. I always just kind of knew Supersonico as this thing that represents uh, Nitro Plus. So, you know, when I heard about the anime, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> What? Yeah, it's gonna be so good. I don't understand you. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand the logic either. But it's just it kind of stuck out from the uh, just the sea of the typical winter doldrums. Oh, P- pupa didn't catch your eye. <laughs> Isn't that the Gonzo thing? Is it Gonzo? I think it's Gonzo. Are you kidding me? I've got a feeling that uh, it's Gonzo. We're gonna Google this now. I didn't realize. <laughs> 
that what? No, none of these Googling of Pupa and Gonzo is coming up with anything related to anime. No, it's Dean. It's Studio Dean. Dean. Okay, that's like as bad. Yeah, no, no, no. Pupa's the one about like the brother and sister that have like in a kind of incest, but also like disgusting, I don't know, possibly cannibalism related relationship where I think it's like one of them eats the other one and the other one regenerates or something horrible like that. That sounds pretty awesome. That sounds pretty disgusting. I, kinda, I would watch that if it wasn't Studio Dean. <laughs> okay. I, I anyway, hate to say it. so yeah. Supersonic was probably better than that because it has oh, a much more innocuous premise. It's probably even got better CG, but not by much. Some of the CG in Supersonico was. Oh, there's the CG, the the CG uh, band or whatever. Yeah, whenever they do the, uh, whenever they close out an episode with a song, because uh, well, the thing is, like, Supersonico is in a band with a couple of other girls. So that's, I guess, that's kind of the main thing besides the uh, the uh, the model gig. But uh, yeah, every episode, you know, I think at this point you're pretty much guaranteed a song at the end. But the thing is, they'll switch out from you know typical animation. I think. From traditional, like, 2D hand-drawn, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. typical uh, hand-drawn, because there's, there's not really any much CG anywhere else except for these uh, ending songs. Oh, but they're rendered just so lazily. It's like going at 12 frames per second, and it doesn't really mesh with anything. Oh. Yeah, I just remember it being bad. I don't even remember, like, the specifics of how bad yeah. it was. No, I, because I, I got to see a couple more episodes, so I was really paying more attention because i knew something was off and it was kind of like oh, the models are pretty okay but what's uh what's up with this animation and the thing is though they just they just kind of cranked out a few frames and they were just probably didn't have enough time to render oh yeah i'm, I'm opening it up right now oh yeah yeah it's pretty bad <laughs> yeah you oh, see it's what got I mean? like really bad secondary animation yes. on like all mm-hmm. of the clothing and stuff uh, yeah i mean i guess it's like typical uh oh god why would you do yeah. low frame rate 3d animation i don't even get it <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like it sticks it out it's character you. it's character animation so kind of you know you kind of expect you already expect to uh, have these expectations of how this character should move and then they're just so choppy yeah it's kind of bad though because the uh the opening is actually um i think hand-drawn with just uh just 2d animation but uh it's got some nice 2d animation and it's got them doing their band thing as well so yeah what are you gonna do supersonico we've gone through that whole thing without actually talking about like anything in this show right any uh, of the actual content what the, the the first episode begins with what her uh opens with a shot of her boobs with like cats cuddling on her boobs so you know exactly you know yeah like, yeah if you're here for that then you're in the right place if you're not then just kind, close the door and leave kind of it's not all boobs all the time though they, they're kind of uh a little, little conservative about their um, <laughs> the main attraction here, which, which is surprising to me. Because, you know, it could be an all-boob, all-the-time show. I think that's what a lot of people walked into this expecting. And it's not that. They treat, uh, they treat Sonica with a surprising degree of respect. Surprising most of the time. degree. Like a surprising relatively degree. surprising degree of respect is what you're talking all th- about. All things considered. Right. Because, I mean, the, the first episode has a joke that is basically sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. Like, the mm-hmm. joke is, these guys are taking photos of her, and they're trying to coerce her into taking photos in a costume she's not comfortable in. Good joke. Yeah, but then, then her manager steps in, and yep. then that's kind of but different. Not, <laughs> but not fast enough. 
to stop you, the viewer, from seeing a whole bunch of fan service shots because that's what you're here for. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's some give and take in uh, in Supersonic. <laughs> that's that I don't know. It, it's enough for me. It's not enough for you. I know. But uh, like in some of in some of the later episodes, um, Sonico becomes a, a feminist icon for the liberation of anime girls. Uh, not yet. But uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember the thing. Uh, Page the, me when that when that comes in. In one of the uh, the scenes where Supersonico is doing her uh, her part time job at uh, her grandma's restaurant, and I guess like some of the clients that you know, because like su- the thing is like Supersonico is very well known in the neighborhood and kind of well regarded, so everybody knows her. Yeah. So I, I guess she's kind of everybody going like, "You're so great. Good yeah, to see yeah, you." Yeah. Yeah, and but um, I guess one of the clients just like does like this light bit of sexual harassment. Oh, he does, then, like, yeah. And then uh, then her grandma just kind of steps in and then makes his uh, his dinner like super spicy. So I guess that's kind of interesting that there's just somebody always kind of looking out for uh, Supersonico within the show. It's not like the the uh, the viewer kind of has to project himself and be like, oh, but I I uh, I idolize this character. It's like other other people in the in the show do like her and do kind of do they, they treat her as like a person, okay. which is way more than I ever expected from a, an animation about a uh, mostly uh, erotic game uh, development company. Ma- the mascot of a mostly erotic game yeah, yeah, company. Yeah. yeah. It's just too many levels removed, right? Like, I, oh yes, I'm watching the anime of the mascot of a mostly erotic game company. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's definitely gonna get licensed by like Sentai or something. <laughs> There's no way this is getting licensed by anybody but my company, Crunchyroll. I totally forgot to actually like give my disclaimer at the beginning. Uh, you want to uh, give it now? Sure. Hi guys, I uh, forgot to mention at the beginning that I. <laughs> I work for Crunchyroll. Um, Crunchyroll is a... Yeah, David doesn't. Uh, but yeah, we stream anime, including Supersonico. As you can tell from me talking about how much I don't like Supersonico, though, I am free to give my opinions on particular shows here. So, for uh, now. <laughs> so, yeah, my, my I do my best to not have my opinions be influenced by, uh, by Crunchyroll, but I mean, whatever. Take what I say with a grain of salt when it comes to anime, if you want to do that. Uh, and also when it comes to manga, I guess, because... Uh, oh, yeah. We now publish manga on Crunchyroll also. Uh, Pretty much got a gag order on everything. You just not games can't... yet. No, not so games. Wait for Crunchyroll games. games. Yeah, exactly. Coming out. Speaking of uh, speaking of video games, what are you? Are you? Have you like been playing anything? You've been making stuff. Kind of. I'm employed now, so I kind of don't have time for that. That nonsense. I'm employed, anymore. and I'm playing more games than I ever did in college. Well, like I'm, in terms of making, I'm playing. Oh. I'm playing. Needhog. I don't know how to pronounce it. Needhog. 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 It's uh. Um, what is that? <laughs> yeah. What is that? It's uh. Actually, had no idea what the hell it was until it came out on Steam. Apparently, it was um. It was kind of uh popular, I guess, within uh certain indie game circles. You kind of had to be part of a cool kid club to ever you know have heard about it. So I wasn't a cool kid. I'm not a cool kid anyway. But um. It's a two-player fencing platformer football game kind of hybrid. Which football were we talking about? We're talking about, like, American football. Okay. You kind of got, like, gain ground. And it is... It, well, it would be really fascinating to play with another human being if that online matchmaking ever worked properly. 
<laughs> so I still don't get how this game works. You just threw out a bunch of words and none of them made sense. Okay. Together. All right. All right. So you know, fencing. Right. Let's let's go. Let's uh let's cover the fencing bit first. So I guess you know fencing. That's pretty un- easy to understand, right? Selling stolen goods. No, no, no. Fencing. No, I know. I know. Yeah. Like both swords. Don't don't try to confuse me here, right? Because I gotta I gotta describe an indie game that's that's a little bit weird and that people might be having a hard time to visualize. But uh, yeah, you, so you're fencing with uh, the other player, right? And so you you kill the other guy, and then you can advance on the screen. So now it's more like a platformer, but then the other player can regenerate on the other side of the screen. So then you got these uh, duels going as you're trying to gain ground and get to the end of the field. But then, you know, the other guy can kill you, and so then he's got to go on his side. So it's like a bit of a, like a, like a fencing tug-of-war game going on in here. And it's like, it's really exciting. Wait, cause so it's, it's, it's just you and the other guy? Just you and the other guy. So, and you're in a platformer, uh, making sure I, I got like this. 2D. So you're like in like a, a 2D a, platformer, and you're just running from, two, from your side of the screen toward them and fighting. And then if you mm-hmm. lose, you respawn and then run back at them again. Yeah. Okay. This is All interesting, because right. it actually sounds kind of like... Awesome Knots, in a way, which is a, a MOBA platformer. Well, I mean, it's a little, I guess, elegant than that. Like yeah, MOBAs, yeah. MOBAs, MOBAs never are very racing. just kind of like brash with just like lots of yeah. enemies and attacks going no. everywhere. Well, the thing is, a Nidhogg is uh, it's refined into just um, attacks, jumps, and movement. Okay. So you can, uh, well, I mean, uh, the uh, the gameplay has a little bit more depth than that. You can switch up your stance. You can uh, counter attacks and then disarm your opponent. You can throw your, you can throw your sword, which is like the coolest thing. But you know, once you've thrown your sword, you can't really get it back. And then if you lose it, then you're it's pretty easy to kill you because you can't defend yourself. But uh, yeah, it's really like I've only really had a uh, solid Needhog experiences with the uh, computer AI. When I tried to play with a friend, it was just unplayable. Like whoever was hosting would kind of be able to play, but then you know if you were joining in on a match, it was the worst. Yeah, there was just actually like the connection. Part, there like were, yeah, lagging the, the connection. Stuff? It was laggy as all hell. It it got to a certain point where um. Uh, a player on a certain stage couldn't make a jump, like, at all. Like, no matter how he timed it, he would always fall into the pit. So it was pretty much like the the match was decided at that point if the other player just couldn't advance. Hmm. So it's a really broken game that I imagine it just works fantastic if you're playing local multiplayer. Right. But online, it's... um, it's also really kind of pricey for an indie game and for what it is. You don't have too much content. It's like, uh, they were selling it for like close to like 10 bucks when I, when it first came out, but now it's probably back up to $15. Mm. And with like the very... Various... it has, only has that one game mode? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you can, um, uh, you can change things up. So like, uh, players can't throw their swords, players, uh... I guess I have to like be crouching the whole time. Or, <laughs> Wait, so it has, it has one game mode with some checkboxes? Yeah, it's got one game mode with some checkboxes. You don't really need too much though, because like just Nidhogg on its own, like vanilla Nidhogg, would probably be really great if it worked. <laughs> That's like so I can't really say too much. praise. Yeah, I mean, like, because I haven't really seen it in uh, in all its beauty yet. You know, I have to get somebody. Has it been like working for other people, or is it just you what, know, is online? It just... 
don't know. Online like, have other doesn't... people been complaining, or is it just that you're? Yeah. Oh, everybody's connection. been complaining. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like if you just if you check uh, if you check the Steam community, because like why would you do that? But uh, if you do decide to check Steam community, it's just like post after post is like, oh, why did I spend fifteen dollars on a game that doesn't work? So you know the work's cut out for you guys. You know, fix that, fix that online, and then you've got yourself a proper game there. Yeah, that sounds cool. I mean, it like the the general uh, concept of it does remind me a bit of like what I liked about Awesome Knots because mm-hmm. I I mean like the the idea of a MOBA is kind of conceptually similar in some very very basic ways because like a MOBA is a bit like football in that way that there's almost like a line of scrimmage that moves yeah. throughout the game. You're you're pushing the other team back and forth, right? Yeah, well, and, you're working against a team here now, and this game right. is just you and the other guy. And but it's then, a more but then, like the fact that Awesome Knots is a platformer was also making me think of that because, like, yeah. it, it's a platformer where you're you're doing that same thing. You're pushing the other guy back to his side of the uh, side of the the map. Mm-hmm. I might like that because I liked Awesome Knots a lot. Uh, yeah, well, you've got a if you get if you do decide to try it out, you probably are gonna want to find a person in real life to play against. Yeah, because uh, yeah, like I said, online definitely needs a patch. It also doesn't support pretty much any game controller that is not an Xbox controller, which is absolutely infuriating. It works because for me, I do not that's the only controller I have. Do not own a single Xbox controller. I own so many controllers except for that, and I am probably not going to budge on the issue. I will not buy an Xbox controller just to play your game with uh, not a keyboard. So yes, uh, I guess like another word of advice if anybody's developing a video game, please support controllers that are not made solely by Microsoft. So uh, a while back, I actually played, I maybe I guess I don't know if this is one of your favorite games, but it's at least a game in one of your favorite mm-hmm. game series. So I, I played, I played the first Mother game. Oh yes, good game. So you, I wasn't sure how much you liked it because I forget like what I, your opinion is of that game in this context of the rest of the series. Well, I, I w- wasn't it, uh, I guess, because well, I never really talked all the time about it, but wasn't it kind of obvious that I liked Dragon Quest? Yes. I mean, your icon is the thing from Dragon Quest, right? The slime thing. So Mother is kind of, I guess, an extension in a way of... Uh, of the idea that Dragon Quest put forward. Not, I'm not talking about like just Dragon Quest in general. I'm talking specifically about like Dragon Quest One, which is to me like the coolest thing because I really like Dragon Quest One. And then Mother comes along and then you know has like this scope to it and like this action, like these ideas that aren't you know just like typical uh, fantasy fluff. But uh, it, you played it, so you talk about it. Yeah, I mean it was it was definitely a weird game because it doesn't communicate a lot to you. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I didn't really grow up with an NES, so I didn't play a lot of games when I was a kid that were part of that era of video games. I came to them later, so a lot of the games I was playing were ones that I was already kind of primed to like. So I was playing Super Mario Brothers and Zelda, right? So those are games where it's like I played Ocarina of Time, so I was like, I'm going to like this. It's a Zelda game. So coming to Mother, where I like didn't know anything of the context of like the franchise that it's a part of or anything, was kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, it's got that had been a weird experience. I st- actually started out uh, playing Mother. I didn't, 
I didn't go from Earthbound to Mother like a lot of people. And I never played Earthbound, so Mother is my first yeah, game in the so series. Yeah, we yeah. kind of had like a similar experience in that regard. It's weird because the game, like, it doesn't really tell you much. Things mm. are really confusing <laughs> and surreal in it, and I maybe that's intentional. Maybe that's just part of the, uh, the it's time totally. period totally the time period and totally intentional because yeah because i mean like the the original zelda also doesn't really tell you very much about what's going on in the game it's only if you played it if you played other zelda games and came back to it or if you just played it at the time and were used to games being like that that's like the only way that you can be okay with that i think and not get kind of weirded out by the lack of communication in that game yeah, but uh, it's kind of it's starting to come out now. But a lot of people are like that developed games from back then are are just saying like, yeah, it's only like that because we didn't want kids to just beat the game in a weekend <laughs> from like a, a rental. Right. That's why there's like a lot of pointless wandering around, and that's why uh, you know it's just so easy to miss like the one guy that you have to talk to. Yeah. And you know, figure out where's the next thing, and then like just like all these. Uh, obscure things that you have to do to actually progress yeah there's uh there's a lot of interesting stuff where i had to like look it up in a strategy guide and i was like oh man it would be really cool if i had figured that out but how was i supposed to figure out that spoiler alert (laughs) the in the cold town like the reason you're getting a cold is because you're talking to people who are wearing blue clothes (laughs) like these are the sorts of things that are cool if you figure them out but if you don't you're just like what is going on why am i getting sick yeah, but that's a that's that would have been a thing like 20, 30 years ago, however long yeah. ago. You know, it would have been uh you probably would have been playing this game for a while now and then like it just hits you. Yeah. And then you're like, "Oh." You know, that's a lot of that's an experience a lot of people don't really get anymore because everything's just so instantaneous and we want things right now and we want them all to just make so much sense. Right. And if it doesn't, then it's not a good game. Yeah, I mean, I thought a lot of that stuff is cool. It's just I'm definitely not used to yeah, having different, to different work off of such so little information in a mm-hmm. video game. But anyway, we didn't. I didn't really talk about like what the game is. Oh, uh, we never do though. Yeah, we never. So. That's just we don't do that. <laughs> uh, it's so it's like a, I guess it's a JRPG, right? Help me out here. I don't. I don't. I basically never played a JRPG. So tell me whether that's a JRPG. That, yeah, it's totally a JRPG. Okay, that would probably be the first one that I've ever played because most people probably don't count Pokemon. So, uh, Pokemon's my only experience with anything resembling a JRPG. Uh, so that's kind of my comparison point. And correct me if I'm wrong, people who worked on Pokemon worked on Mother. Um, yeah, I think there was some uh, staff that kind of got bounced around. Uh, but uh, for Mother, okay. for Mother, um, I think it wasn't... I know, I think after Earthbound, there was a different studio working on it. But I think it was... Um, I don't know, because Nintendo always just divides these things up into, like, different studios, because you've got, like, Intelligent Systems, you've got HAL, mm. you've got all those other guys. I don't know if there was, um, I actually should know. I feel like this is a detail that I should know, like, which studio was specifically worked on uh, Mother, but I don't. Okay. I, only, I only know for the third one, but uh, we're not talking about that one yet. So, so anyway, like, it parts of it remind me of Pokemon, just in, like, the way it mm-hmm. looks and stuff, but that may also just be the way... JRPGs looked at the time. Uh, I probably need to play Dragon Quest and, and yeah. Final Fantasy and stuff like Visu- that to get a better visually, sense for that. Yeah, visually a little closer to Pokemon, but uh, in the battle system, it's a lot closer to Dragon Quest. Okay, yeah. That was definitely the thing that felt the most like what I expected a JRPG to be was the, the battle system, uh, which is you have a bunch of people in your party and there are some enemies that are lined up in front of you and you get 
go in a row down your party and give them a command and then based i guess on like certain based on attributes of you and the enemies i guess speed is probably the main attribute right that chooses how that works like it picks who gets to go first and then they do a bunch of whatever actions you chose for them so they can use an item or they can do like fight they can hit them uh or they can use psi attacks psi because your characters have psychic powers which is i guess the main it's like psychic powers and aliens are the main things about the game there are some aliens and weird things going on in this American town or this like area of I, yeah. it's America, it's, right? It's, it's supposed to be America. It's ba- based on America. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's like a bunch of towns, aliens and weird things are happening. And some kids have psychic powers and they're for no reason for, you know, eighties video game or nineties video game reasons. They are off to save the world from aliens. Uh, yeah. You get yeah. that right. Yeah. You got it. You got it pretty much right. That's what I understood from that. But again, the game doesn't really tell you much. It's like your your dad's gone, your mom's well, your dad's like off working somewhere, and your grandfather is got some weird mysteries going yeah, on. He's got some crazy stuff going on in the basement. Yeah. I thought it was cool, but like a lot of the story stuff, I felt like they were trying to say things that they just weren't there weren't enough words telling me what was going on for me to make a little ton of sense out of it. Uh but yeah, I don't know. does any of that stuff get made clear in the later games? Uh, well, I mean, for for Earthbound, they kind of, they kind of pretty much uh, just did Mother again <laughs> well, in a way. Earthbound being Mother Two for yeah, anybody Earthbound, who's not aware Earthbound of that. Earthbound being Mother Two. That's the American right. name for it because it's the only one that came out here officially. So no, but uh, still, like Mother Mother is a separate game from Mother Two. But no, they do they, they do get a lot better as the games progress at uh at actually, you know, telling the story, you know. Or are they um, are they all like spiritual successors to each other? Mother two more so to to Mother One than Mother Three to Mother Two. Mother Three actually kind of plays as a as a sequel of sorts, but it's okay. so different that um you you probably want to go see it for yourself. Right. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about the the story of of uh, two and three. But... Oh, especially three. Oh. Okay, yeah. <laughs> mm. I don't want to know any kidding. of the spoilers here, and I don't want to like spoil, you know, spoil yeah, listeners on it either. Here's the thing, though, is like, because you liked Mother One, right? I I enjoyed it. It yeah. it definitely was kind of repetitive and a little grindy, but okay. I played it with like the the mod that has the the easy ring, which made it a bit easier. Um, yeah. To I mean, as its name suggests, but it was it was cool. I mean, I like the the battle system and the the size and stuff like that. Yeah, because that's the hardest one for most people to stomach. Most people actually don't even finish Mother. They just right. kind of, you know, I guess, like watch a YouTube video and call it a day. Um, yeah, you know, Mother Two I think is aged a little worse than a lot of people give it credit for, but it's still. Highly playable and uh, a pretty pretty good time, especially near the end. Really, it's not aged well because I mean I, I hear a lot of people saying like, "Oh, Earthbound is still so great." Uh, it's mostly it's mostly in the beginning. The beginning is kind of very on rails. You kind of don't have um you kind of don't really get into the the speed of things until a little bit later once you've got all your party members. But that, that was just my opinion. I actually had to start Earthbound uh, a couple of times just because I couldn't get into it the uh, on uh, before getting all the characters. Uh, but then, oh, Mother Mother Three is um, I, I'm not even gonna talk about it. <laughs> I think it's clear that you like Mother Three a lot. I, yeah, actually, uh, because like these games are like, oh, they're ridiculously expensive now because mm. Nintendo hates 
Mother and everything Earthbound related. They've actually shut down a uh, somebody's book that they were going to talk about the because they worked on it, the localization. They were going to do a book about it. So they went up to Nintendo to get some, um, I guess, like a, like a blessing. And then Nintendo shut them down. Wow. So yeah. it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like every few months, like another, you know, Earthbound related mishap happens. And it's just kind of further convincing us that, you know, uh, Maybe the uh, the Earthbound fans should not have been as annoying towards Nintendo. I'm pretty sure it's just like a joke inside the company at this point <laughs> to just mistreat like, oh, more Earthbound guys. Because they're like they're, it's like such a small uh, such a small audience too that it's like not even affecting them uh, money wise. They can just trample on on these people's feelings as much as they want because it does not matter at all. Compared to their their giant like Mario Zelda fan bases, oh, they just yeah. like throw Mario dollars at them. It's like Monopoly money. Yeah, those have like thrown like a million Mario games like the last couple of years. Yeah, it's like they 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 know what they care about. Probably the coolest thing about Mother the the first game though is just how how weird it is, which I guess is part of the franchise. Oh, it's so weird, yeah. Like you leave your house and the enemies are hippies and things, and you're just like, what what? <laughs> Bag lady is an enemy. Bag lady. She's just a lady, like an old lady with a bag, mm, and it's yeah. never explained why that's an enemy that you have to fight. You fight the uh, the crazy taxi. In, crazy uh, in taxi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Death truck. Like, what are these enemies? They're just objects and stuff. They're not like things that would actually be enemies, mm. except for some of the stuff that's like aliens and things. Aliens. But robots. But the, robots. the enemies and stuff are just everything's so strange and out there and a lot of it just seems like people like the creators are just throwing things at a wall which is kind of cool in a way because mm -hmm. the game doesn't actually like i said doesn't actually communicate enough for me to really try to make much sense of it so it's fun that it's just crazy <laughs> it's a trip right exactly i don't know if i'd recommend it to people who are not intending to play the rest of it because that's the only reason i played it and that's the only reason i got through it too because there were definitely parts where i would have probably not mm -hmm. continued yeah. had i not been wanting to finish it to get to mother two. Oh yeah but I, like that said there were also more parts than i expected where i stopped playing spent a couple hours away from it and then said you know what i think i want to go back and play some more which usually is a good sign that i'm enjoying something mm -hmm. uh, i'm gonna uh another note um it's kind of like when we all, when we say like oh it gets good after episode four for like every for every anime, so yeah, yeah just kind of like think of Mother as episodes one through four of like the like the best anime that you're gonna watch. Okay. Um, like, but it doesn't like become obvious until like episode five. However, yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of good examples that yeah, I can think not, of shows that are too. really good that are not apparent that they're going to at least be pretty good by the first couple episodes. Like, like, imagine if somebody made, like, the best anime, and it only got good after episode four. I could imagine that, but it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen, but not not to say that episodes one through four are bad or anything, but, you know, you'll have, oh, like, seriously, though, you will have so much more appreciation for two and three, especially three, if you do get through Mother 1. If you get through Mother 1, then, uh, yeah, by, by three, it's really gonna, really, really gonna hit you. Okay, so it does, it, I mean, they kind of, talk to each other in a way even if uh two is a spiritual successor uh, kind of not really no okay all, all it is is just that you f like two feels it, better because one is worse than it oh uh, well, yeah because like one 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 is worse than it and then it is part of like that whole like oh I, I went through like these 
two other journeys to get to this mm. one. Um, okay. Yeah. So it's, it doesn't sound like it's actually necessary for people to play it unless they kind of want the historical accuracy of having been through the whole series. Not necessary, but it would be nice for everybody to have <laughs> played Mother 1. <laughs> just, just promoting Mother 1. I would ask you how much Nintendo is paying you, but Nintendo doesn't care. Nintendo does not care at all. <laughs> didn't well, didn't people have to just like really, really bug them for uh, for Earthbound to ever come out on Virtual Console? Which it did yeah. now, recently. Uh, that was like the most surprising thing, and I said I was going to get a Wii U when that happened, and I didn't. Wii U kind of sucks. My roommate has Wii U. So I might it borrow kinda, that. Kind of sucks though. What the Wii U? Yeah. Well, it's not good. Probably I haven't played it yet. Exactly. Ever. <laughs> it's because you say like you've lived with this guy probably like for more than a few days already, and you're saying it's not good because you haven't played it yet. Right. So the uh, Wii the Wii U isn't good. <laughs> oh, I can't judge whether or not it's good. Mm-hmm. I haven't tried it. Uh, but it's probably because I guess because I haven't tried it. Uh, I can probably assume it's bad, right? Because that's like that is the easiest thing to assume. Uh, are you watching any anime other than Super Sonico? Uh, I was reading manga. What are you reading? I was reading Cardcaptor Sakura. Oh, I I've should been, probably uh, read that. Yeah, or you watch that. Oh, ever. Don't 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 even start with the things you should have, and then <laughs> follow that up with like watched or read or whatever, because you never end up doing it. Um, but yeah, I was uh. Coming back from coming back from my trip to Japan. Oh, we should talk about that. Eh, whatever. We'll kind of mention it all the time. Um, yeah, but once I got back from my trip to Japan, uh, I kind of had like this urge to, I guess, get into some magical girl stuff. And I've just had these like two volumes. <laughs> Japan turned you into a magical girl. Kind of did a little bit. Japan was a magical experience, and then I just I still can't. You know, I'm still like looking for like that like that japan hit like where it's like i find something like oh this is japanese oh i'm back 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 in the back in the motherland so i turned to uh it's like a drug addiction it's terrible kind of uh yeah uh so i turned to card capture sakura because i never i never finished it i got the giant dark horse omnibus volumes and i was kind of just putting off the the final bit and oh i got taken in by clamp so hard the first two volumes were really good and then i'm still uh, i should probably talk about what card capture sakura is before i get into this yeah you should probably do that not okay, that so, many people don't know what it is but I, you know but, what um, i guess it's old enough now a lot of people don't know what it is yeah yeah it's kind of old enough but it's also really enduringly popular in a way too right but i'm still gonna mention what it is so card capture sakura is a very influential magical girl manga and uh the main character is called sakura kinomoto i think i'm getting that name right <laughs> i am so bad with names i'm, I'm pretty sure that's up. right yeah sakura I kinomoto haven't even read it. yeah and um she finds a a book in uh in her dad's library and uh this is like a powerful magical book that was sealing these cards called cloud cards and uh they've got all sorts of um Kind of like elemental powers. Like uh, you can control water with one. You can control uh, flowers with one. The flower one's kind of funny because it's just how useless it is. Except to advance the plot a couple of times. But uh, yeah, she finds this book. And uh, she releases the Guardian called uh, Cerberus or something. I don't know. <laughs> this is Cerberus. so bad. 
<laughs> they call they call him Karo-chan. I, I always know him as Karo-chan. I don't know, like, uh, the kind of, like, releases some little cat thing. I don't know, yeah, is there they, some cards? They, they <laughs> it's a girl little, who catches them? They release a little, uh, cat thing, and then, like, the <laughs> whole manga is just her collecting these cards for a little bit. I don't know, there's a show called, like, Cowboy Bebop, there's guys <laughs> with cowboy hats, and I think they play jazz music in <laughs> space. <laughs> They don't actually ever play jazz music in Cowboy Bebop, do they? No, I made that whole thing up. It's not actually what the show's about. Yeah, I'm kind of actually starting to realize they never really get into the jazz music. Yeah, just like, like Kids on the Slope, both good shows. Ah, uh, both not about jazz, though. Yeah, okay, well, what's your problem with Kids on the Slope, then? Anyway, let's well, <laughs> talk about Card Captain Sakura. <laughs> All right, yeah, so, like, yeah, like, that first half is pretty good, right? Because uh, it's all just, like, you know, magical girl stuff. And then the second half gets into feelings, and, like, nothing is okay. As they say in, anything. in the Tumblr space, the f- feels. The feels. Yeah. Oh, Don't use that word, guys. It's annoying. It's, it's bad. Bad word. It's a four-letter word. <laughs> it's actually a five-letter word. <laughs> Five Some letters, people David. just have, like, a feel, you know? A single feel. A single feel. This page made me feel a feel. Whoa, wait a sec. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, bad. Yeah, but that's uh, that's the, that's the second half. Um, I'm still like really just kind of sickeningly upset about how it turned out. Wow. Okay. But it's a it's a it's a good manga. Don't let me put. Don't let how I feel put you off to it. It's so, uh, it's still pretty pretty good. So at the risk of us like saying more things about magical girl shows that we don't know enough about, as we did a bit in our uh, <laughs> our uh, uh, Madoka Magica podcast, uh, I'm gonna at least try to make like the most basic statement about Card Capture Sakura. So this is a, a shojo manga, so it's not one of those kind of creepy seinen manga things where it's like a manga for men that's about magical girls. Ah, it's straight up shoujo. Right, like that's important to note. Like this is not being made for creepy dudes. This is like a actually a manga that was just made for girls. It's still kind of creepy in some points, actually. Okay, so I, I haven't read it. <laughs> the creepy thing about Cardcaptor Sakura that nobody ever really mentions is um, just how inappropriate a lot of the relationships are between people. Because a lot of there's a lot of relationships that just don't happen in the in the manga, and then the ones that do are just so totally not okay in any way, shape, or form. Are we talking like, about both, like like incest things or pedophilia things? What are we talking about? Um, because you're talking creepy, so one, we're talking oh, anime, so that's where my mind's going. One of the yeah, like because they're all in elementary school. Right. So, yeah, one of the elementary school girls is seeing one of the teachers. Uh, okay. And the teachers has, like, well, the thing is, like, because it's clamp, so the teacher has, like, clamp proportions. So he's, like, this <laughs> hulking giant. <laughs> and then this little girl. And because, well, I mean, like, clamp plays it off as it's okay because, like, she's just so mature compared to all these <laughs> oh, other. You're uh, okay, you're right. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm right, right? It's totally okay if she's, like, Kind of Ugh. like an adult. And um, I guess we're supposed to be like really charmed by it, but I was really, really put off. Especially considering like they let that happen, and then it's like uh, just a lot of other things that I was not okay with. Just thing, things did not go in any way, shape, or form how I expected them to. And I'm, I guess that's what I'm upset about. Mm. But like, and uh, I guess I, I really hate to say it, but 
unlike many things that make me upset, I'm kind of glad this made me upset. It made me feel a very special kind of upset. Okay, so like, it like just, intentionally made you feel upset? I almost feel like it was intentional. Cause like I, I kind of cruised through the uh, like last volume and a half, just like in this blind rage. <laughs> so there might have been some subtler details that I missed. Maybe. Your experience with anime and manga is so confusing to me because it's like this is the way you talked about the Madoka, the third Madoka movie too. You're like, it's such an infuriating, like just just horrible experience of mean spirited people making a movie and they hate their audience and it's the best movie of 2013. It's so good. It's everything that Rebuild Three wanted to be and then wasn't. Read the review on www.anagamers.com. I'll hit that up later at the Please end of the do. show too. Yeah. It's a good review. Um, no spoilers. I, I, so. I love it. That's why I, I can't really write reviews anymore because I wrote that. <laughs> You're oh, done. I go after that. Right, exactly. How do you top that high? Uh, definitely definitely read uh, Cardcaptor Sakura if you don't mind just hating hating the world at the end of it. How many volumes is it? It's only like, well, I mean, because it's, uh, it's the giant Dark Horse volumes. So it's like three volumes per book. So it's not, not the longest manga. And, you know, because it's also... <laughs> Uh, a manga meant for for little girls. It's not like just swaths of text. You have to right. you have to kind of just pick away at you know. You can get through uh, chapters pretty pretty quickly. Cool. I'm uh, I'm actually reading uh, something called Inside Mari on uh, on Crunchyroll on the new Crunchyroll manga mm-hmm. service. Sorry about that, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, yeah, Inside Mari is kind of weird. I, I started reading it because it's from Shuzo Oshimi, who did uh, Flowers of Evil. And it kind of... Mm-hmm. I, I got into a whole stupid Twitter argument. I got into an argument because this is what I said about it. I said, it sounds really creepy. It sounds like a like a perverted like premise that you would not want to read unless you're into, like, you know, pervy anime, manga stuff, and, you know, arrow games and things like that. It's like It's a body swap manga so it's about a a stalker loser college student who stalks a high school girl and then finds himself inside her body right uh oh boy right so Here that sounds go. really creepy that, that that sounds like a wish fulfillment fantasy it doesn't Here sound like anything go. anything thematically interesting at all uh it sounds but, like this story would be like over by like a volume right so because of Shuzo Oshimi, I gave it a shot because Shuzo Oshimi knows how to do, how to how to take things that are are kind of creepy in a, in a kind of similar way to some of that more kind of that more wish fulfillment fantasy stuff, but actually make it make you uncomfortable on purpose and make you think about things. And it actually does a really good job with that. I'm going to spoil a little bit of it because it helps to actually pitch the story uh, to spoil something that happens fairly early on. So. The idea of the the body swap would be, oh, you know, he's in her body and she's in his body. But early on in it, uh, the guy like finds himself right to figure out where she is and talks to himself as her. And he is still him. And so the question becomes, where is she? And that's kind of the, the the hook of it is he meets somebody who knew her and then they and, you know, she finds out that he is somebody inside of her body and they set off to try to figure out what happened and where this girl Mari is, you know, where her her mind has gone. Uh, oh, my. It's so it's actually it's really interesting because a lot of it is about 
um, this guy, like his, his inadequacies and things. And like, he's kind of seeing the life of this person who is to him a, a fantasy, right? And then seeing her life through her eyes and like being very, being made very uncomfortable by being placed inside of somebody else's life. Uh, and it, it actually is not like, it's not wish fulfillment. It's profoundly uncomfortable and no part of it is ever, ever feels good. And like, it never feels like it's supposed to feel good. Like I'm not, I never feel like I'm supposed to be like, yeah, this is hot. It's just, (laughs) it's just always just really creepy and uncomfortable and and the main character is always uncomfortable there's a a scene where like he has he has to get dressed as her and because he has this kind of ridiculous platonic ideal where he's he's stalking her but he's Uh, like i can't see her naked right he like closes his eyes and tries to get dressed without you know like make sure to not look in the mirror he's like i won't look i won't look so it it does a and like it has some interesting things, you know, some themes it's touching on. I can't quite make sense of where Oshimi's going with it, and it's still coming out. It's pretty early. It only has like two volumes out, uh, but I'm gonna be keeping up with it. It seems cool. I I'm not reviewing it for any gamers because uh, <laughs> like conflict of interest, but uh, Ink might be giving it a shot because uh, he likes Shuzo Oshimi. He's a big fan of Flowers of Evil. Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of it kind of sounds like he's uh, treating old ground with the. Uh the character that uh, puts puts these, uh, this other character up on a pedestal. Yeah, no, I, I got that same sense. It's very similar to the main character in Flowers of Evil. That was mm. kind of disappointing. I was hoping he might go for something else. Might go for an actual lecherous character that has to confront his, uh, I, guess, I guess, confront his interests in some in some sort of way. But nah, I guess that's cool. I mean, that's, that, that's interesting. But I actually think, like, when you're talking to anime fans, the idea of somebody who has this unattainable platonic ideal is a lot more like hits a lot closer to home for a lot of creepy anime fans you know rather than like actual rapists and things right because that's like so far out for a lot of a lot of anime fans are just like oh well that's not me i'm just a guy who sits at home and you know looks at cartoon porn or something right so it doesn't like connect at all it doesn't communicate anything to that audience uh it would definitely be interesting, right, to have a main character who's just like a horrible sex offender or something, right? Just to have because like like Oshimi could pull that off and make that just yeah, as uncomfortable like, as it is supposed to be. Yeah, because otherwise you're just kind of writing smut. <laughs> like if you're not Oshimi, you're just basically writing smut. It's just such a technical uh, ballad that you have to kind of get through if you want to, you know. Uh, write something that heavy without you know just devolving into something very exploitative but yeah that's what's interesting with Oshimi though and that's why I I felt like I had to when I was recommending it on Twitter I had to qualify it a bit because if you just tell people what that story is about they're not it doesn't sound like something worth reading it just sounds like exploitation but yeah if you describe you know this is Oshimi Oshimi knows what he's doing here and he never tries to make you feel like this is a good thing happening. So anyway, it's cool manga inside Mari. Man, I have all these like video game thoughts, but we've already been recording for well, some large sections we have to cut out, but about an hour now. Ugh, and we got to talk about Japan. Let's talk about Japan. I'll see if I can fit the video game thoughts in at the end. Maybe we'll save them for another podcast. All right, David, you went to Japan. Hello. Previously, I also went to Japan. Uh, totally different times. Let's start with you, because you most recently went. What did you do in Japan, David? 
Oh, I just like, oh, I walked so much that I blew up my knee. <laughs> no, I, I had like the same experience because yeah, when was, you're hardcore touristing, was, um, that happens. It, and it uh, it happened just in time for Comicat. Oh, wow. Wait, what was Comicat like at the end of your trip? Yeah, Comicat was at the end of my trip. Oh, okay. Because I was leaving, I think like the day, I was leaving like the day after New Year's. So um, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun hobbling from uh, <laughs> from Kyoto to Tokyo on a bad day. Like you hobbled all the way from Kyoto to Tokyo. No, I took I took the stupid like eleven train connection route from Kyoto to Tokyo. What? Was, oh, you you <sighs> didn't you didn't take the the Shinkansen? <sighs> I did on the way to wait on the way to Kyoto. Why then, didn't you take it back? Um, it's just because it was something interesting to do. <laughs> It was, it was it was it was totally interesting though because we um first of all I was I was traveling with somebody who doesn't normally see snow and then there's me who whenever I see snow it, I'm just thinking oh man everything is gonna be ruined <laughs> so we passed through um I think it was Gifu Pre- uh, Prefecture which is a little oh, more inland yeah, than yeah. Uh, Kyoto no I I went there on it, my trip in Gifu there was an awful blizzard just. Oh, it just hammered everything with snow. Because so we, we we were in uh, we, so we were in Kyoto and things were nice. It was like fifty degrees Fahrenheit or whatever, and then we get into Gifu Prefecture and it's just like like two feet of snow minimum wherever. And it was just like in the blink of an eye, like all of this just changed. Hmm. And uh, we were just so worried that. You know, the train would just stop in the middle of the tracks. And it would be five centimeters per second. It would, yeah, it would be that. And they'd tell us, like, oh, we have to, like, just stand here until the snow melts. (laughs) Wait until spring. (laughs) And a lot of of Gifu is, like, up in the mountains, right? Oh, yeah. The whole prefecture, right, is is in the mountains. So, yeah, that that probably (laughs) was a contributing factor. Yeah, but no, we made it. And uh, I would probably not do something like that again, maybe. Uh, it was it was nice. I guess like I got to pretty much see a lot of Japan. Like I, I guess most people when they go to Japan, they just kind of stick to Tokyo. Yeah, when I was in uh, when I was in Kyoto in a hostel in Kyoto, I was talking to like I think it was an Italian guy who uh, didn't have a rail pass, right? So and I think he was like really low on money, and he was like, "I need to oh. get back to Tokyo to catch my flight home tomorrow." And he was like, is there a night bus or something that I can take from Kyoto to Tokyo? <laughs> I don't know if he oh. ever got home, but it was sounded like the most horrible thing. He was like, oh, what no. super cheap bus can I take to get all the way from Kyoto to Tokyo in time for my flight? I think I think there's like a bus in Osaka that will do that for you. But <laughs> that requires you going to Osaka. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. that's the thing though. It's it. Uh, that was also my first time traveling alone, so I was constantly just thinking like, "Oh, I'm gonna have too much fun. I'm not gonna be able to get home." Like you're gonna run out of money? Yeah, like I was gonna run. Out. I actually did. Actually, yeah. it wasn't until I got home, and then like all like these late charges came in. Oh wow! From Japan, and then like I I got overdrafted. Not not too bad, but it was kind of like because I just I had to start working again, and I was like I had no money. And the bank wants money because I totally spent too much money in Japan. Wow. Yeah, I mean, if if you can afford it, I would highly recommend uh, for you know anybody listening who wants to go to Japan, like to get a Japan Rail Pass 
It's really, really useful. Did you get one, David? Um, I don't think I ever did. Really? So it's it's great. I mean, it gets you on all the the JR trains totally for free. You just show it's like feels like you have a superpower or something. Like you show the pass to them, and they're just like, yeah, go ahead in. Just you don't say it in English, obviously, but <laughs> they like let you right in. I was only there for uh, ten days, I guess. Oh yeah, so, so the rail pass. It, yeah, I think you can only get it for spans of two I weeks. Kinda, I kind of did enough. I did enough traveling to have warranted one of those passes, but uh, I was traveling with somebody else who kind of knew what they were doing, so I was never really worried about the the fare or anything. Yeah, yeah, it's just like having it always gives you a way to get somewhere. Like in in example, like with that guy, right? Like if you, it's almost like you're paying insurance, like like transportation insurance, right? Because if you pay that money up front. Then now you know no matter how much money you pay, you have a rail pass that can get you back to Tokyo. But yeah, I thought that was really useful when when I went. Uh, except in Kyoto, when there's barely any JR trains that get you anywhere. Uh, JR is one of the rail companies. Or JR is the, I guess it's the national rail company. Yeah, yeah Kyoto Kyoto was a lot of walking for me. Yeah, same for me. And how biking. Much, how much wa- Oh, you got the bike? Oh, yeah. I didn't get the bike anywhere. No. I uh, I rented a bike from the uh, the hostel after I walked around Eastern Kyoto with all the the hills and stuff and was completely exhausted and my legs were giving out under me and I was like I still need to go to temples and things and I need to get there <laughs> and I can't read the signs on these buses so I just uh, I got a bike. Yeah, I was surprised just how like surprised just how difficult it seemed to navigate in a way. Cause like if you if you just kind of drop yourself in, you, I guess you might be coming in with the expectation like, oh, I can totally read you know the map because it, it's in English, right? It's got a, it's gonna have the names of these cities in English, and I'll be able to read it. Yeah, yeah, that's actually one of the main things I noticed was um, like people had had told me for a while they were like, oh yeah, yeah, when you go to Japan, like people understand English, you can get by. Nobody speaks <laughs> English in Japan. Nobody speaks English. I mean, I'm sure a lot of them kind of know some English, but not enough that they're confident enough to speak to me when I speak to them in English. You probably had the same thing. Yeah, like, no, nobody spoke English. Yeah. No, I mean, when, when, well, if you go to, depending on where you go to, I went uh, to the, to the South Mapu. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think I went, Uh, but that's a place in Akiba. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's like, everywhere in a way but there, oh, there's okay. one there's a location in Akiba that's where I saw it but uh I had to get like some touristy kind of stuff and uh, the guy there totally spoke to me in English but or he was kind of trying like I under, I understood him he, he kind of slipped up a few times but you know, I wouldn't I, I, I wasn't about to like like you know just step up and correct him or anything like because I was like yeah yeah I'll just buy my thing get on my way yeah, every time I tried to talk to somebody in English, they did not understand me, and mm-hmm. I couldn't make myself understood. And luckily, I knew some Japanese, so I just switched to Japanese eventually. And like, I wasn't very good at Japanese, but good oh. enough to get my point across. So <laughs> I just kind of used Japanese by default. And if I couldn't say something in Japanese, I might try English to see if they could like get that. And they never some, understood it. <laughs> play some charades. Yeah. But I mean, I, I've heard a lot of people like go with uh-huh. no Japanese knowledge and they still get by, but they get by with 
sign language and stuff like you know just making hand not and not sign language not international sign language but like making hand signs and things and pointing to things and things like that but like not not through actually speaking a ton of english with people i don't think uh because uh now not coming back from that like i just kind of i would feel so much better if i knew more japanese like i know the kind of japanese now that i have to speak when yeah I, if i ever d- decide to return I guess that was, like, the, the one thing I just never really uh, fully understood. Like, oh, what kind of things am I going to be, am I going to have to know when I get there? That, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, what, what kinds of things did you find you didn't know that you thought uh, you needed to? I just, like, whenever they ask you to, like, if you want to uh, keep a, keep food uh, in the, if you wanted to eat in the restaurant or if you wanted to take something out. Always slipped it up. Wow, I don't know if I ever got asked that. Or if I understood when I got asked that, I would I would always just say yes, <laughs> and then it'd be like a fifty fifty chance whether I was right or not. Like like the equivalent of in English asking for here or to go. Yeah, but like sometimes they'd ask you like, oh, do you want to stay? And then some other times they'd ask you, oh, do you want this to go? And since wow. I'm saying yes to everybody, um, yeah. Sometimes Wait, when when did they ask that? Uh, not at, not at restaurants, right? You're talking about at like. Like a like, like a, a food court type thing, like a no, oh, or, or like or like a cafe, yeah. Yeah, never never eat at a food court. Come on. No, that's one of the recommendations I got. You get you get generally pretty, pretty good cheap food at a uh, at department store food courts. I bet you ate at the Odaiba food court. Mm, tell no, me, I went know. I went to the Odaiba food court. Tell me tell me you went to the Odaiba food court and like got a Harajuku style crepe. In the Odaiba food court. You did not. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about Diver City, right? The one with the Gundam in front of it. Yes, yes. Yeah, That's yeah. No, I, I walked right past the crate place. Uh, I don't think I bought anything in there. That place is full of Western food, the uh, Diver yeah, City me, me and, food me court. And my friend. The thing is, like, me, me and my friend like, had like constantly like a thing. I don't know. We were kind of being a little snobbish about it, but it was vacation, so who cares? Uh, just like uh, the amount of foreigners that would come in and they would like just <laughs> go to shibuya or just go to odaiba and you know they would only go to starbucks like yeah, we, were, yeah. we were like making making fun of like mcdonald's or starbucks and harajuku or whatever and like a couple of hours later i see i see a tweet on my feed about like somebody i was following going to that harajuku starbucks or mcdonald's and saying how good it was you know what so i'm gonna admit it I did go to a Starbucks. Uh, it was not by my choice. It was because it was like I was meeting somebody, and it was the only, you know it was his recommendation, and he had limited time. But yeah, I was I met up with somebody, and he was like, "Oh, we can meet at Starbucks. It's like the closest place to me." And I, I did I did go to a Starbucks in Japan. But yeah, I did I did, <laughs> I don't know if I saw examples of like actual non like non Japanese tourists going to those places like to just non-japanese cuisine i did see a bunch in like travel books though where they were like this is a great place to get some american food it's like what are you doing why are you here if you're here to get american yeah, food uh, yeah because i was i was staying in uh in ueno when um oh we yeah me too Kamiket. so we would always we would always pass by the uh, the hard rock cafe and we would just oh, like, i don't know if i saw the hard rock, rock cafe because there's just like so many american dads <laughs> going into the hard rock cafe <laughs> And I'm just thinking, like, why? Why are you here if you're going to the, the Hard Rock Cafe? 
Right. And you're like in a way no where you can like go to like the dodgiest noodle shops. Like that's like an actual vacation. Right. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't really get that. But like a lot of people I guess are just not they're kind of interested in, in the certain ideas about Japan, but they're they're not you know, the way we are, where we're, like, part of a very Japan-centric mm-hmm. subculture. We're like, yes, we want the full Japan. But a lot of people are just kind of like, oh, I, I like sushi, and like Japan sushi. has pretty architecture, so I'm <laughs> going to go see made, Japan. But I don't really want to see that much made, of Japan. made that same exact joke so many times about people liking sushi, so they just go to Japan to eat McDonald's. <laughs> Granted, I guess if I went to, like, any foreign country, I would make a point of not eating at McDonald's anyway. Yeah. Just, like, on principle, because I would want to actually experience the things unique to mm. that culture. So maybe it's not so much that we're anime fans. Uh, culture snobs. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Sorry to anybody who, like, doesn't... Who, like, yeah, eats McDonald's in Japan, but you're probably doing it wrong. So it's your fault. It's not really yeah. our fault for being snobs. Uh, Actually, like, I kind of, I do feel a little bit guilty about not eating at a McDonald's in Japan just because of how often it shows up in anime. You know what? So I, 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 like, I forgot. Oh. I yeah. totally did. I ate some McDonald's. I didn't eat at a McDonald's, but the oh. Japanese family I stayed with in Hiroshima, they mentioned the teriyaki burger to me at one point. And then as I was getting on the Shinkansen, one of them, like, like the dad came back and he was like, here you go. Have this teriyaki burger. I just bought it for you at McDonald's. <laughs> oh, he got you. <laughs> and I ate it on the on the train. It was hilarious. <laughs> he just like really wanted to show me the pride of Japan. The teriyaki mm. McDonald's burger. I don't know. He would have gotten you the Moss Burger if he wanted to show you. The I pride never of Japan. had Moss Burger. I heard no! it was either good or bad, oh, depending on who you talk it's to. So good. Okay, it's I, so I would have liked to try it. Moss Burger is pretty ridiculous for being a chain burger it's like that that burger should not be as good as it is i think the only burger i had in japan was the mcdonald's teriyaki burger which was not actually that good i only had the the moss burger surprisingly i think unless i i'm forgetting a burger i'm probably i i ate a lot of noodles that's probably what everybody does i didn't even eat that much noodles oh really no i had like tons of ramen and udon and soba that was Kind of my like diet. A ton of, ton of, ton of rice. A lot, lot of meat too. Just like a lot hmm. of meat dishes. Man, we've been going on about food. I know. That's just all we. Do. We didn't even talk about cartoons. We're oh, talking about Japan without talking about cartoons. About the cartoons, like the cartoons, are there. You'll not miss them. They are. You could everywhere. miss them. I mean, if you're not looking for them, you could miss them. I guess. I guess. But you, you are going to be looking for them. Is there yeah, kind I mean, of who are we kidding? This? What do you? Yeah. Oh, well, we, maybe we have gamer fans who aren't anime fans. So I don't know. So in terms of like otaku things, we went to Akiba and we went to Nakano Broadway, and I think we both oh. agree Nakano Broadway is way better than mm. Akiba. Uh, Akihabara I, I, is what we're talking about when we say I, Akiba. I, by I, the way. I like. Um, I think I like Akihabara a little, little bit more, but like Nakano Broadway is just this insane fortress. Yeah, it's oh, a fortress. Just, <laughs> That's what you're describing it. It's so... Oh, man. Oh, it's just floor after floor of just the, the most miserable thing for your wallet. Yeah. So, I mean, Akihabara is a an area of Tokyo that has a bunch of, like, used to have a bunch of electronic shops, which it still has. But now it's especially known for having otaku stuff, right? So it's known for all the anime and manga 
um, and like the game stuff. Uh, and Nakano Broadway is a it's a mall. It's actually just a mall technically, uh, but. It's like you get to the mall, right? And then there's like the hidden mall behind the mall. Oh, you're talking about the shopping arcade in front of it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's like the shopping arcade and then you get to like the gap in between the shopping arcade and the mall and then you enter the mall. Yes. It's like the the prelude to Nakano Broadway. Yeah, like you can like see like traces of what you're going to be up to, you know, a little, little bit of foreshadowing. And, but nothing really prepares you for some of the stuff that you'll see at Nakano Broadway. Yeah, the, the best thing about Nakano Broadway is that it's it like starts as a normal mall, except I guess they recently installed a thing at the front that tips you off that there's going to be otaku stuff in it because there's like some anime stuff to your right as you walk in. But I, I never went down mm-hmm. to the basement, but Ed Chavez tells me the basement is actually just normal people stuff, like clothing stores and things, right? Yeah, it's just like a department store. Right. The first floor is mostly normal people things. But as you walk through, you notice, like, there's occasional bits of otaku stuff peeking through. So there's, like, some arcades that pop through. And I I walked through and discovered that it was actually an entire arcade, like, lining the back of a bunch of the stores with little entrances coming out. So there's, like, little bits of otaku stuff. Then you go up a floor and there's, like, it's kind of all otaku stuff on the second floor. And then you go to the third floor and it's all, like, hardcore otaku stuff. So it actually gets, like literally gets higher level as you go up you're actually leveling up and if you go like all the way to the top Mm. floor at the very back there's the store that's not actually a store it's actually just a bunch of arcade machines with people playing fighting games (laughs) (laughs) oh but they're like playing like the jankiest fighting games yeah you could hear like i don't know if they were there when you were there but you could like hear them from all the way down the hall clicking on the buttons <laughs> so good this was the announcer guy when i was there oh man that sounds really awesome no they were just like really playing good. games they were like playing like the trashiest fighting games <laughs> they weren't like they were like playing street fighter that's like casual they were... i think they were playing a fist of the north star game when i was there yeah like i couldn't even i couldn't even tell they were like playing like this one game like the character sprites which is like the hulking beasts just like oh god what portal did that game fall out of i don't even know playing some ridiculous stuff at the nakano broadway uh i went to taco che at nakano broadway do you go to there go to the what did you go to taco che taco che what is this like a taco place (laughs) it used to be apparently that's the story is it was a uh it was like a mexican restaurant or something that folded and then a manga store bought the uh like bought the location but kept the name and it's oh. a it's an indie manga store i found out about it through uh cruising the anime city the otaku guide to neo tokyo which is the uh like it's a travel guide to tokyo for anime fans written by patrick macius who's my editor at otaku usa magazine and it's got like really good information on places to check out in nakano broadway and akihabara and stuff like that uh it's a little outdated now but some of it's really good uh so taco che is like just a very indie manga store you go in there and you probably haven't heard of anything in there uh which is you know the true spirit of the indie and i went in there and was just like i tried in my you know best japanese to be like i don't know anything here what what do you recommend you know what's like your most popular (laughs) title just give me that because i'm i'm walking out of here with the book and you're i'm leaving you with my money just pick me a book and they picked me one i can't remember the name of the author but he's actually kind of like kind of famous i think because i 
I'll probably put it in the show notes because I'd have to like reference it. I don't remember who the author is, but like I've heard of, I later found out that I had heard of him outside of the context of, of Taco Che. Um, but it's kind of like a really grotesque, horrible horror manga thing. <laughs> well, that's like uh, what all the indie manga kids are doing. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if it's like an old horror manga, though, or if it's like a retro flash. Well, actually, it's, uh, you know. nah, it's probably old. Mm. Really old, probably. I don't know. I'm going to assume. So you didn't go to Taco Che? I think I probably passed by it. Okay. It was just, I was, I was, oh, sensory overload. Yeah, yeah, there's there's so much stuff everywhere you go in Nakano Broadway. At, so, at one point, I, like, I just, like, did not want to see colors anymore. <laughs> I just, like, did not want to see anything, anything that looked like anime or, like, idol garbage or whatever. I just, I, I kind of wanted to leave. Because <laughs> there's so much. And it's just, like, the idea of trying to wrap your head around having, like, to be there a whole day to just kind of scan through everything in there it's um, yeah i had the similar experience it's really uh, a day trip and i mean the the main feature of nakano broadway is it's practically owned by mandarake which is a used manga store that has <laughs> do- like a like over a dozen separate mini locations inside the mall that are all themed around different things so you're like oh i want the retro mandarake i want the Mandarake for toys. I want the Mandarake for Western film. I want the Mandarake for Yaoi. I want the one for, like, you know, this or that or whatever. Every, like, subgenre you can think of and, you know, sub uh, subculture or sub-subculture. It, they have a Mandarake for it in Nakano Broadway, and they're all scattered all over the place. Mm-hmm. They're great, too. Mandarake is just, like, are great stores with fantastic selection. One of my best experiences there was at the uh, the retro one. I can't remember the name of the store. I just had like a whole conversation with the uh, the cashier about Tezuka manga, and he was like talking about some blackjack chapter that never got translated into English or something because it was offensive and whatever. Just like a whole <laughs> like this dude was just like, let's talk, you know, foreigner son. Let's talk about Tezuka because you seem to like him. Yeah, I think my best, my best, uh, my best Nakano Broadway experience was um, we were try- I was trying to find like an old robot for uh, for my uncle, and we found this perfect one from uh, uh, it was a great Mazinger, but it was like probably like a f- one of, like the first great Mazinger toys that they put out, like probably as the show was running. So it's got like this ridiculous rocket punch that like when it hit well we, we didn't we didn't know it was part of the figure we just kind of like press this button and like the, like the fish just launches out and like it hit the counter so hard that we just kind of like backed away in shock <laughs> just how powerful the spring was the springs were just so powerful still after like what yeah i'm like oh this thing would actually probably take an eye out not even kidding (laughs) this is the kind of toy that they warned us about (laughs) but i totally bought it like on the spot you know i was kind of like you know a little indecisive and then once we kind of dented the counter with the punch we, we said like yeah i gotta walk out with this thing the other place that everybody has to go in Nakano Broadway is called uh, Bamboo, uh, Bamboo with an L at the end. So like, it's a pirate-themed store. That's it. You walk in and everything is pirates. It's like Pirates of the Caribbean merchandise and One Piece merchandise, 
and like some Hayao Miyazaki type stuff, like some things from movies of his that have vaguely piratey things he's in it. He's got a lot of yeah, he's got a lot of pirate stuff in his early yeah. career. And and the whole thing is decorated with seaweed and stuff. I don't even know like who would go to buy things there. That's what's confusing. Like pirate somebody otaku. Yeah, somebody's like, "Oh, I definitely need to pick up some more pirate things at Bamboo today." It, it seems like a place you would just go because you love the novelty of it being a pirate store. Not that you would actually ever need to go there to buy anything. But I love it. I mean, it can't be as abandoned as the uh, the American tabletop game store. Oh, was that in there? Yeah, there was a tabletop game store. I didn't store see that. In, uh... That's the best thing. It's just always something you didn't notice in Nakano Broadway. Well, what were they selling? Just, uh, I guess, like Warhammer stuff. <laughs> But uh, nice. nobody was there. Oh, really? I, I'd be curious about that. Yeah, whether but, there was yeah, actually the, interest. The thing is, that, like, there's like probably like only people there when the I guess like the owners are playing games with like, I guess like the few <laughs> customers that they've got coming in. I would think that might be more popular in Japan, though, right? Like yeah. Warhammer might actually guess, be popular. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe, maybe people are just like too busy playing their tabletop games to actually ever have to like just hang out at the store. Although mm. that makes no sense because then there are the stores here in America where people only hang out at the uh, at the at the game store. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We've talked a ton about Japan and barely hit on all sorts of other things like leave the city, go out into the mountains, do things that are not just cartoon things. But I, I won't get into all that just to say that, like, that stuff's cool. And it's there cool. are beautiful things yeah. that are not all cartoon themed things inside of Tokyo. We'll probably continue to bring up our Japan experiences in we're awful. future podcasts. We'll just be like, oh, that's like that time when I was in Japan. Because we're jerks. See that and, guy? Yeah, we're cultural elitists or whatever we called ourselves before. Like one trip to Japan and then just everything changes. Exactly, yeah. Everything being your uh, perceived sense of superiority. Not really anything. Like, you know, we're not actually any better, but we think we are, which is what matters. Uh, so with that, I'm going to end this podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want to, uh, to hear more from us, you can go to podcast.anygamers.com. That will have, uh, links to previous shows, download links, show notes, uh, all sorts of good stuff like that. Ways to subscribe. And if you'd like to send us an email, please do send us an email uh, at podcast at You can tell us to talk about something if you want us to review an anime, manga, or game, or talk about some topic. Or if you want to ask us a question, we'll answer the question on the show, that sort of thing. Uh, we are both on Twitter. So the, uh, the Anigamers account, the official account, is at, or at sign, as David likes to at do. sign. A-N-I Gamers. On that account, we post... Uh, links to posts on our blog and the podcast and occasional other tweets i'm at at sign at sign vamptvo v-a-m-p-t-v-o and david you are at sign qx20xx as for the blog you can find that at www.anygamers.com we blog about anime manga and video games similar stuff to what you get on this show but a lot more coherent we hope definitely and not running over you know, word <laughs> yeah. limits or anything. Uh, usually not. I try to keep you guys down. This is if there were a word limit on this, we would be, probably be oh, far so, over it already. So over it. We I don't usually promote this, but we're also on Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com/slash Annie Gamers Blog. 
and we post our um, blog posts on there and you can like us and comment and all that sorts of good stuff. Share it with your friends. Please do that so that more people can read and listen to Gamers. We are on the iTunes store. Go on there, rate us five stars, tell everybody why they should be listening to the podcast. And uh, maybe that'll motivate us to put more podcasts out. I don't know. <laughs> the more of you that actually like talk to us, the more motivated I am to get off my ass and make a new show. And finally, I and Inc. both contribute to Otaku USA magazine, which you can get on you know wherever magazines are sold, Barnes and Noble. Uh, I think we're also in Walmart as of like earlier this year, which is cool. There's also a digital version that you can download on otakuusamagazine.com or you can find ways to download it there. I'm definitely in the new issue. I don't remember if Ink is in the new issue. I reviewed Dot Hack Quantum and Wolfsmund, which is a manga, a manga that Vertical just put out. Pretty cool manga. Uh, so check out those two reviews in the latest issue. I'm not sure what the, the cover is going to be yet, but that latest issue should be the uh, April issue. Yeah, I think Ink has a couple articles in that, actually. He might have done a Beyond the Boundary review, or a feature, and probably a couple other things. So yeah, check that out. That should be on store shelves and probably shipped to you if you're a subscriber uh, by the time that this podcast comes out. And uh, actually, you know what? Like, I never mentioned this, but if you want to give us feedback on our magazine reviews, feel free to contact us either through the blog or through the podcast, because it tends to get to us faster and more efficiently if uh, you just send it directly to us and you know we appreciate getting that feedback directly so we can talk back to you or you can tweet directly at yeah or you can tweet at us yeah any sort of direct feedback is great because then we can kind of talk back to you guys and stuff unless you're hating on us which is cool too but we don't want to get in an argument so be respectful and nice about thinking that our reviews are bad (laughs) (laughs) good luck yeah that's that never turns out well huh yeah, that, that should be it. David, do you have anything to promote? Nope. Always worth checking. You never know. Yeah, you, know, you never know. Maybe maybe in like a couple of years. Yeah, Ink's got some stuff too I should probably promote. He writes for Fandom Post and there's a couple other places I can't remember. FandomPost.com though is one other place to find Ink. So yeah, that's going to be the end of the show. Thanks for listening to us ramble about all sorts of games and anime and manga and our troops Japan, to Japan. The land of the rising fun goodbye oh. Imagine that in like solid snake voice. Gamers. Behind D.